0: Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Run. i Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here with the show. We're going to have a great show with you today. What is the show going to be about? Let's get busy and tell you what it's going to be about because it's a long, long day and we have a lot to talk about. Tom Hartman exposes the Medicare Advantage fraud. Democrats blast GOP Afghanistan hypocrisy. If we can get to it, Medicare Advantage is a corporate scam and Tom Hartman makes that clear. Democrats in Congress, school Republicans on Afghanistan, Lieutenant Governor of Hawaii admonish red state governors, and he actually tells them what they need to hear. Folks, you're getting your people killed, but of course I have to talk to my people here. Welcome aboard, Michael Rutnan, welcome aboard, Peggy Lopez, welcome aboard, Brej MCP, welcome aboard, Paul Fleming from ATL. Anyway, folks, we're going to have a great show for you today. Sarah beige welcome aboard. Thank you guys for being here. Just keep Bringing it on, bring it on. Let me go ahead and read real quickly from Michael Rudnan. He says, Egberto, this is a long one, but if you have the time, I hope you read my words out in full. I will. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sends political message in first Met Gala appearance. Tax the rich. The right-wing bubble doesn't recognize what ideological consistency looks like. AOC has been saying tax the rich since before she was elected and when going to meet rich people at a gala that could raise over 10 million for a museum she told them that same message to their face also it's curious that AOC Potentially donating a fifth of her yearly salary to a museum doesn't make her a hero in the eyes of conservatives as they consistently say they value charity. Maybe it's not the right cause. Homeless veterans are what they usually champion. But if they donated a dollar every time they mentioned homeless vets on social media, that particular problem would have already been fund- fully funded and solved. That is a very good narrative, Michael Rudnan. A Second one. Democrats face division over pledge to scrap uh, Trump's tax cuts When Democrats stand against the needs of the people And fall to the same big money corruption that uh, got all the Republicans Trump tax cuts went 84% to the wealthy Then they say we can't afford the Green New Deal After blowing trillions on greed to the rich on endless wars and much more So true, third one from Michael Rudnan COVID shifting dogs, it at sniffing dogs at Miami Airport have 99% accuracy rate at detecting infections. When the dogs were tested three months ago, they had accuracy rate of 85%. The dogs have gotten better at the task. We need more, not just at the airports, but widely attended events to prevent super spreaders. Excellent. Paul Fleming, welcome aboard. Let's see. Bridge MCP. woohoo! Well, she says. Uh, Sarah Beach. Hey. Okay, folks. Look, I want to go ahead and get started with Tom Hartman quickly because it's a You know when Tom and I get to talking it sort of goes a little bit long So let's go ahead and get Tom into the mix right away And then we'll get busy on the other side Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right I'm Igberto Willis, your host Tom Hartman is a four-time winner of Project Censored Award A New York Times best-selling author of 32 books And America's number one progressive talk radio show host His show is syndicated on local for-profit and non-profit stations and broadcast nationwide and worldwide. It is also simulcast on television into nearly 60 million U.S. and Canadian homes, and we carry it at KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston as well. Tom Hartman, welcome to Politics Done Right once again. My buddy, Egberto, it's great to be back here with you. Man, I tell you, you know, um, my biggest pet Project has always been healthcare. Having a wife with lupus, having to go around the, the things with uh, what, what we call the, um, the uh, pre-existing conditions and all of that. Now I have a daughter as well in med school who had a, a uh, AVM, a stroke uh, caused by an AVM. So I'm well aware of the evil that is our healthcare system. And you know what you did? You put it in a nice form in a book that every single American that is misinformed by our media needs to read. Thank you so kindly for writing that book, sir. Why don't you start by telling me about, um, why did you write this book? Well, I, I wrote the book because uh, healthcare
1: is probably the the one thing, uh, or, I mean, there's a bunch of things that touch us all throughout our lives, but uh, and the, the economy is a big piece of that, but it's the one thing that... that uh, is we're at a crisis. I mean, just a major crisis point in the United States. We've got tens of millions of people who have no access to healthcare, or no access to a, pay, a way to pay for healthcare. Um, we've got hundreds of millions of Americans who are underinsured, or malinsured, and uh, and we've got an industry that is raking in a billion dollars a week in profits, and uh, you know, a, a, like a giant leech attached to the back of our society. And, uh, so, you know, it just seemed like the right time and the right book. And and then on top of that, of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It used to be about a half a million Americans would go bankrupt every year because of healthcare expenses. Uh, last year, I think it was around 700,000 this year, it'll probably be over a million because of COVID. So, you know, I wrote the book.
0: Yeah. You know, it is interesting because as it turns out, um, uh, there's a lot that I'm going to want to cover where it talks about how we develop medicines and all that kind of stuff that you also included in your book. But I want to start at the beginning. Um, you know, um, why is it that we do not consider uh, health care in this country a right? How did it ever become such a huge profit center?
1: It's an amazing story. It's an absolutely amazing story, which I didn't know until I began researching this book. And uh, it, it didn't surprise me, but it shocked me. Um, in eighteen in eighteen eighty four in nineteen in eighteen eighty four, um, uh, Germany got their first got the world's first single payer healthcare system. It was uh, Otto von Bismarck. And uh, he was no pacifist. You know, this was when Germany was an empire. And uh, around in that same decade, a young man from Germany by the name of Frederick Ludwig Hoffmann emigrated from Germany to the United States at the age of 17 with five bucks in his pocket. And uh, young Fred uh, was brilliant with numbers. He was a savant. And he ended up going to work for the Prudential Insurance Company, life insurance company. It was the largest insurance company in the country at the time, uh, running numbers on things. And he was the guy who discovered that there was a statistical association between uh, smoking cigarettes and lung cancer, between exposure to asbestos and mesothelioma, between working in cotton mills and lung fibrosis, and between eating a diet high in processed foods and cancer. So he turned his efforts to race. Why was it the Prudential and Life Insurance Company wanted to know? They were just dabbling with writing policies for Black people at the time. Um, Why is it that Black people in America were dying at higher rates and getting sick at higher rates than were white people? And so Hoffman did his rigorous uh, numerical research uh, back then, uh, neither he nor probably most Americans even understood the concept of sy- systematic or systemic racism, and, and uh, anyhow, did, did his math and came to the conclusion, number one, that yes, it's true, and number two, that therefore, it must be caused by a genetic inferiority among people of African ancestry, uh, which, was, by the way, was conventional wisdom in 1896 when he published his book uh, race traits of the American Negro, race traits and tendencies of the American Negro, um, and then in his book and in his public lectures thereafter, he came, he then jumped from that to a third conclusion, which is that because uh, uh, African Americans were so genetically inferior to white people, and in fact he he even argued that during the slavery period they'd been just fine because whites were taking care of them, but because they were so genetically inferior. Uh, we could solve the race problem in america if we just forbade them from having access to health care for just a couple generations and they'll all die out extinct yeah yes there you go and he he honestly thought he was going to solve the race problem in America uh, i mean this was insane but he published the book he went on tour he traveled around the country it was a major best-selling book uh, people in the 19aughts the 19 teens the 1920s they all knew about it in the 19 teens, Woodrow Wilson took some of his theories and used them to develop the American eugenics program, um, that Hitler imitated in the 30s and the 40s and used as as the basis for the Final Solution, and and it's the reason why in 1912, when Teddy Roosevelt, with his Square Deal, when he was running for running for president for a third term, um, why Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, was, or second and a half, you know, uh, one and a half, to, he had one and a half terms. Anyway, uh, why Teddy Roosevelt uh, was shot down on, you know, uh, metaphorically on, on proposing a single payer healthcare system. It was part of his square deal. And people said, but black people will get healthcare. We can't have that if
0: we make it, it universal. It never fails, right?
1: Oh, it was incredible. It's why in 1936, when Franklin Roosevelt proposed, you know, a national health care system, people were like, but black people. It's why in 1947, when Harry Truman proposed a national single-payer health care system, again, but black people. It's why in 1961, when John Kennedy proposed a single-payer system, but black people. And, and then in 1965, Lyndon Johnson and Robert Ball are writing the Medicare legislation in 65, in And the southern white senators come to them and they say, we got to build into this thing some kind of a bar that black people can't jump over because we don't want them in our white hospitals. And so that's why there's a 20 percent bar that you got to jump over. There's a 20 percent copay, essentially, or deductible or whatever you want to call it. We call it the gap, the Medicare Mm -hmm. gap, Um, that uh, Medicare Part B hospital coverage does not pay 20 percent of the cost. That's why you've got to buy a supplemental policy called a Medigap policy. And that was to satisfy guys like John Stennis and and you know the the southern the white southern racist uh, senators.
0: They figure so, black people didn't have the the capital to to pay for that policy, so therefore no hospitalization, eh?
1: That's that's absolutely correct. Sixty percent of the black population in the United States lives in the South and uh, in, largely in poverty. Particularly in '65, I mean you know it's, it's still a major poverty problem in the South, um, but uh, in 1965 it was. It was endemic. And uh, so they won't be able to afford to pay the 20%. They won't show up in our all-white hospitals. And so that's why we don't have healthcare as a right. Now, since uh, you know, race was the principal issue right up until the 1980s, then in 1983, when Reagan stopped enforcing the Sherman Antitrust Act or directed the Justice Department and the Federal Trade Commission to stop enforcing it, and companies started turning into monopolies, we went from hundreds of small local health insurance companies all over the country to about a dozen. And, and it became a major, very profitable industry. Reagan also uh, helped blow up laws. When I was in Michigan in the seventies, I owned a herbal tea company and in the early seventies, we had 18 employees and I paid for their health insurance for all of them. And it was super cheap. It was like 35 bucks a month because at that time, all the health insurance companies had to be nonprofit and all the hospitals had to be nonprofit. Reagan blew that up, and so since the 80s, it hasn't been so much about race, although I'm sure in the South it still is. There's 12 states that haven't expanded Medicaid, and just by coincidence, they're all former slave states. But uh, it, the, the, I would say the main reason has been that since the 80s, this, this industry has gotten so wealthy and so powerful that every time a politician pops up and says, hey, let's have single-payer health care, and put the insurance companies out of business, they just pour a few million dollars down their throats and you know blow a couple hundred million dollars on TV advertising, and that's the end of that.
0: Now it, it is it is amazing because they sell, they try to sell the the reason for having an insurance company as a choice. Right. But we really know that each insurance company tells you what medicines you can take, what doctors you can see, what hospitals you can go to. So therefore, they're asking you to relegate your choice to one insurance company as opposed to giving you a Medicare for All system where you decide who you're going to allow this Medicare for All system to pay for your services. How did we get the the how did the media how did we allow the media to promote such a false story? Well, for television,
1: it's a fairly easy answer. You know, big pharma and and big hospitals and big insurance companies are all kind of you know like joined at the hip, and uh, we are one of only two countries in the world that allows pharmaceuticals to be advertised on television, and it and they are uh, probably the major revenue source. Oh, for yeah, most you realize
0: countries. you just made a Freudian slip, right? What What did I say? You You called our country a company. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and
1: and uh, I thought I corrected myself. don't <laughs> oh, no, you did. You did correct yourself. <laughs> but, but I get your point. Um, you're absolutely right. So uh, and, and that's that's the problem is, you know, I mean, you know, Reaganism, uh, you know, the neoliberalism that swept the United States in the 1980s, and it's still very much with us, um, you know, small pushbacks from Joe Biden notwithstanding. He's the first president, actually, to push back against neoliberalism since 1981. Um, but uh, it, it has basically turned our government over to our giant corporations.
0: You know, it's interesting, Tom. I did sort of a mea culpa uh, today when I spoke about a, a statement that Michael Moore had to say with regards to um, Biden. Because I, in my support for Bernie, I'd always considered Biden a strong neoliberal and so far with the policies that he's uh, actually supporting, um, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said that she's surprised, I think I'm doubly surprised as she is that he's done what he's done. Me too. He's he's acting
1: like a man who either, one, realizes we're in a crisis and these neoliberal solutions, you know, how do you figure, you know, we got to figure out a way that somebody can make a buck out of this, that that's not the way to go. Or two, uh, is old enough and late enough in his life, and is at a position of power where he just doesn't need anybody else, and figures, what the hell, I'm going to do the right thing, or both. And I think it's probably a bit of both. I think
0: it's. I, I my gut feeling tells me it's it's both. Anyway, your book, th- your book, and folks, I want to get you guys uh, name this book out again because uh, I think if we are going to change this system, if we're going to get Medicare for all, if we're going to do all the things that are necessary to really get an equitable healthcare system people have to be educated and this is forget about all the other books this is the book hidden his the hidden history of american healthcare why sickness bankrupts you and makes others insanely rich and when i when i interview you tom it's not about selling a book but this for our change we need to get this book out there because yeah, it's I wrote one it of, as a
1: handbook for, for yes. Medicare for All activists, basically. It is
0: one of the most honest books I've read talking about the story about healthcare. I mean, you covered not only healthcare as we know, but important things. Let's talk about uh, what everybody fears. There's a commercial, uh, an ad on a Medicare ad, on, not a Medicare, Abe, an ad on TV talking about the changes that Congress wants to make that forces Medicare to negotiate for uh, prices on drugs. Right, And there is a woman, an everyday American woman on TV, on a commercial that says they want, they're, they're going to stop giving me my choices. I find a way to pay for my insulin somehow. We know the story about insulin. We know how they jacked up a price of a product that is no longer in patent, just the delivery system being in patents. But she knows the drug is expensive, and they wa- they don't want to scare. You. So they say, "We know it's expensive, and but we always find a way for you to get your drug." But now Congress wants to make it impossible for me to get the drug. Your thoughts on that? I'm pretty sure you saw that that ad.
1: Oh yeah, and it's a response to the AARP ads that are calling for Congress to change Medicare Part D so that Congress can, or so that Medicare can. Uh, for congress negotiate to the medicare can negotiate drug prices exactly which which was outlawed i mean when george w bush did his medicare reform act basically back in 2003 um you know there were there were two things number one they created this thing called medicare advantage which is a complete scam and it's not medicare Let, let's
0: not do that yet because that okay. you wrote a you you wrote an excellent essay on medicare advantage and i want to direct people is a chapter from your this book. book here yeah i know I mean, that was wonderful, Tom, but I don't want to get there yet. I want to okay. stay this stuff on the on, on the, the insulin and that sort of.
1: Right. And the second part that, of it was that Medicare has to pay full retail for all drugs, even though they're buying, even though they're paying for millions and millions of drugs. So if if you or I went to the drugstore and, and you know, bought at full retail a, a bottle of, you know, some antibiotic, you know, penicillin or something, and it cost five dollars then Medicare has to pay that $5. But when the VA wants to buy, you know, a hundred million doses of penicillin for the year, they don't pay $5 a bottle. They pay 20 cents a bottle right. because they're buying, they're buying a million a year. And, right. and, you know, Medicare is paying for a million a year, but they're paying $5 a bottle instead of 10 cents a bottle. And, you know, it's a, it's literally a $60 billion a year profit for the pharmaceutical industry Coming right out of us, right out of our government, right out of our Medicare system, right out of our taxes, and going right into the coffers of these giant pharmaceutical companies and their
0: wildly overpaid executives. Now, Tom, under the tenets of capitalism, right, the investors in creating a product, they they get, relative to their investment, they get a portion of the spoils. Now, as it turns out, as you explained in your book as well, uh, most of our drugs, who, who developed most of our drugs, Tom?
1: Uh, We do. uh, They're funded by the National Institutes of Health, which is the federal government. It's our tax dollars.
2: I'm
0: sorry.
1: The the drug companies will claim that they invent and develop uh, lots and lots of drugs. But mostly what they do, the the basic research is almost 100 percent paid for by the federal government to develop uh, brand new drugs like, you know, for example, uh, floxidine, what we call Prozac, Um, uh, you know, and then what they'll do is, okay, the patent is running out. We can't charge a high price for it anymore. So they'll just hang a new, you know, a hydroxyl group on or a different, you know, another atom of oxygen here. It still does the same thing. They tweak the molecule a little bit and they can re-patent it. And that's, you know, when the pharmaceutical companies talk about developing new drugs, that's what they're talking about. They're tweaking drugs to keep them under patent to keep the prices high. Um, you know, but if you're looking at the original families of drugs that are created they're almost all created with nih grants at universities across the country
0: so we are the investors and when they sell these drugs at these high profits shouldn't we then uh i mean we 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 don't have a way for us to get investment but should we tax the whole hell out of that to get back the investment that we put into it in the first place tax the profits that they don't want us to get well, I think so. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
1: or, or or make sure that they're available as generics if we helped
0: pay for them. And, and that's the reason why I said pe- people don't understand that. Because that woman's uh, ad that we spoke about, who's talking about insulin, she would get a lot of older folk to, to listen to them like, oh, my God, I know the prices may go down, but it may hurt me later. I'm in my older years. I may need new drugs right. without yeah. understanding that. Oh, that's so why cynical. it is so important. Now- Let's go. Let's get to the core of what affects people generally 62 or 65 and older Medicare. You are 65 years old, and, and those that are, that are under 50 right now that are listening to the show, this is going to apply to you because likely Medicare age is going to drop as well. There are two options Medicare and Medicare Advantage. Right. And you have a chapter in here which you released as an essay all over the darn country about Medicare Advantage being a scam. The floor is all yours. Please give us the totality of that paper.
1: George W. Bush uh, always wanted to privatize both Social Security and Medicare. He thought that they were both socialism and and not consistent with American values. He, of course, was born into a multimillionaire family. You know, it's a, a and, and uh, you know, with a, with a giant estate up in, in Maine and another in Connecticut and, you know, et cetera. And uh, he campaigned around Texas in 1978 for Congress on this platform of privatizing Medicare and, and Social Security. And he lost, ultimately. Um, but when he became president, he was like, ha ha, here's my chance. And so uh, Medicare Part C goes way back and it allows private insurance companies to offer certain plans but there was a very, very tiny niche market where they were mostly kind of filling in the cracks in places where things weren't available. And it was just it was a boutique business. And so what they did when they when they uh, reformed Medicare in, in 2003, as I recall, um, was uh, they allowed the insurance companies to brand those private for profit health insurance plans for people over 65 as Medicare Advantage. So not only does it have the word Medicare in it, even though it's not Medicare, it's private for-profit insurance, but it has the word advantage, which makes it seem like it's Medicare plus, like it's better than Medicare. And uh, almost a a little over a third of Americans now have, uh, over 65, have signed up for these plans. So as we're talking about Medicare for all, let's offer Medicare to everybody in America, and it's starting to gain some real serious momentum. The problem that we have right now is that one third of Medicare isn't even Medicare. It's already privatized. And so if that continues and they roll out, you know, Medicare for all and Medicare advantage for all um, you know, it's, we're just going to be back where we started eventually.
0: But um, I, I want you to go a little bit further, if you will, Tom, because what you did is you used the example of a friend of yours Yeah. And that friend of yours showed the evil that sits within this thing called Medicare Advantage that both costs us more and delivers less. And what happens is for those older people that are relatively healthy, it seems like a good deal. But the first time and when you're older, you get sicker the first time that you need to use it. You learn a hell of a lot of things. Why don't you kind of explain to us that for our and and this is what I want, Tom, because I want this to be in for informational. People need to know bluntly. You should not get Medicare Advantage. You should get Medicare and a Medigap plan and, and a Medigap. Have, yeah, please explain. You
1: have explain. to buy it from a private company, right? Please um, explain. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, I, I have a friend I used to, who I used to hang out with. He, was, he lives in New York. We used to hang out together down in Greenwich Village back in the early 70s. And uh, I hadn't seen or even heard of him in years, actually. And, and uh, we have uh, multiple mutual friends. And one of them told me this story while I was writing the book. And I reached out to him and had a conversation. And, and it's in the book. And uh, basically what happened was he turned 65. And, uh, you know, uh, this was about a year ago. Um, uh, He's he must be four years younger than I am or five years younger than I am. And and uh, he turned 65 and he went online to sign up for Medicare, thinking that that's what he should do. He got hopelessly confused because it's kind of a mess. And by the way, the Bush administration and the Trump administration both have done everything they can to make it even more of a mess. Um, And so finally, he just said, ah, screw it. I'll I'll figure this out later. And a month or two later, he was having trouble peeing. And he went to the doctor and said, there's something going on down there. They did a blood test and found out his PSA was so high that not only did he almost certainly have prostate cancer, but most likely it had already broken through his prostate into his bloodstream, which is the second leading cause of death among men in the United States, metastasized prostate cancer. So the clinic that he went, he had gone to this one of these dock in the box, you know, urgent place, urgent care places where you can walk in and pay 50 bucks cash and you know, get a get your blood test and find get a you know a, a, a prostate exam, and or maybe two hundred bucks or whatever it is. Anyhow, so they were associated with a larger group that sold Medicare Advantage plans, and so they said, "Oh well, we can sign you up for Medicare Advantage so you can get this taken care of because this is going to require surgery or something," and uh, and uh, and we can and in fact we've got a plan. that's a no dollar plan. You don't have to pay a penny for it, and you get all these wonderful things. And uh, so he signs up for Medicare Advantage. And then he starts calling around looking for a doctor who can deal with prostate cancer. And he finds that the very, very best, the top prostate cancer doctors in the country, um, but particularly in New York City where he lived, and in fact, in the whole state, are at Kettering Memorial Cancer Center right there in New York City. And so he makes an appointment. And a month or so later, he goes in for the appointment and uh, get, presents his Medicare Advantage card because he had told them he was on Medicare when, when, they, when he called. He presents his Medicare Advantage card and they're like, this is not Medicare. This is private insurance and we're not in this company's group. group. In fact, we're not in any Medicare Advantage companies groups because none of them want us because we charge higher prices. If you had regular Medicare, no problem. We could see you. But the Medicare Advantage, sorry, you're toast. And so then he went back to try to figure out how to get back on Medicare and discovered that if you, when you first turn 65, if you sign up for Medicare Advantage, well, let me let me back up. When you turn 65, if you sign up for Medicare and you buy a Medigap plan, and typically they're about 100, 150 bucks a month that fills in that 20% gap, the health insurance companies that sell those Medigap plans are heavily regulated. Those, they do not rip you off. These are not scams. These were put into place in 1965 as part, you know, along with Medicare. And so they cannot look at your pre-existing conditions. They have to take you no matter what. And that was, you know, that was the sales pitch that Lyndon Johnson made for Medicare. And, and so, but if you sign up for Medicare Advantage and then try to go back to Medicare and pick up a Medigap plan, at that point, they can say, Oh, you're not signing up at the age of 65. You're not first signing up with us. And you now have pre-existing condition. We're not
0: going to write an insurance policy for you. Medigap can deny you it's, because it's private, right? Medigap is private oh, cool. as well. That's, yes, it, but they can't deny you when you first
1: sign up. And I think that there's a period, and I don't. it might be in the book. I'm not sure, but I think it's within the first year. Um, if you try to sign up, they can't deny you. But after that, they can turn you down. Okay. And, that's, and that's what happened to him. And um I, I've got in fact I haven't I, I haven't even heard from him in about four or five months. I don't know if he's still alive. I got I've got a you're reminding me I need to call our mutual friend Jerry and see what happened.
2: So
0: now um so 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 and there was another thing that I said that that, that I think you cannot change policies midstream. You have to wait for the sign up date. Right, There's this open Medicare. enrollment
1: period from I think it's October seventh to uh, well, sometime in October to sometime in late December, early January.
0: So if you and want then, to go back to Medicare, you're hosed. And secondly, if you want to get that 20% covered, if you have a, a pre-existing condition, you're hosed. You're forever right. going to be responsible for that pre-existing condition. Once they've
1: got you, they've got you and you're screwed. And that's year- the whole
0: deal behind it, right? In other words, that's what they want. They want, to, they want it that that is the only thing you can use. And then there is no other reason than for you to go back to Medicare because you're hosed either way. Absolutely. So, folks, so, uh, you know,
1: the, the moral of the story is buyer beware.
0: So let me and ask you if this. this that's is why absolute... I yell at
1: the TV every fall when, when Joe Namath comes on and starts oh. doing his little rants, you know, and I'm like, you know, but you need to sign up for Medicare Advantage. You can get free meals. You can get free rides to the doctor. It's just wonderful stuff. And I'm yelling at the, you. Lion! <laughs> so,
0: so let me let me ask you this before we before we close here. I want to I want to see if this if based on your book, this is what I think I got. But I want I want you to corroborate it. Any friend of mine, absolutely any friend of mine turning 65, I would absolutely tell them, even if it's gonna cost you a couple of hundred dollars more a month, get Medicare, the real thing, and Medigap. Do not touch Medicare Advantage at all. That's that's my mantra. Yeah. OK, Tom, here's, uh, the, you know- see, here's
1: the sad. There's one really sad part to this, and that is because Medi- Medicare Advantage is so unregulated um, and they've figured out a way to scam the Medicare system because, you know, Medicare Advantage plans actually suck more money out of the Medicare, right. out of the Medicare system than does regular Medicare because they, they got to make a profit. Right. So there's they're, they're skimming their money off the top. Um, and as as a result of that, you um, well, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. That's it's just
0: it's, well, it's let me no, I'll, I'll I'll summarize that in one sentence because what you explained in your document is that they've created a a way that they can make healthy people look sicker so they can control can pick more money right. out of the government. In other words, it's a legal way of ripping off our tax dollars. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so Thanks for summarizing get, that. Yeah, they get it on both sides. But I suddenly
1: realize this is going to get complicated. And you just said as we're wrapping up. So I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it, it but the way, that, you know, I, I read your book, so I, I understand what it is. And I'm going to cover it more on the show as well. But anyway, Tom, what did I not ask you that you definitely want to get out in this session? Well, how do we get to Medicare for all?
1: Um, I, I think uh, there's, there's a couple of possibilities that I talk about in the book. One is we do what Canada does. This is, I think, the most likely way we're going to end up with it and, and probably the best way. Um, in Canada, Tommy Douglas in Saskatchewan got Medicare for All passed for his province, the small state, essentially, in Canada. And then it worked so well, all the other states wanted it, all the other provinces wanted it. Within a decade, it had gone national. Um, Vermont and California both passed legislation to do this. The problem, and if, if actually the, the guy in Vermont who was in charge of putting this into place was an old friend of mine um, uh, when you know the legislature passed it and, and Peter Shumlin was the governor, then he signed it into law. And uh, what they discovered, much to their chagrin, was that back in the 60s when LBJ put a Medicare together, he was concerned that the southern states would take the Medicare money, but they'd refuse to provide services to black people. And so there's an audit trail, essentially, from the federal government all the way down to the consumer for both Medicare and Medicaid. It's like, it's different for the two different programs, but there's this audit trail. And therefore, if you break that trail, you lose the money. So when Vermont tried to do single payer, um, they had X billion every year coming into Vermont via Medicare to people over 65, and Medicare would have to cut them 100% off. They would have lost all that money. Plus, they would have lost all their Medicaid money. And, and so if they had to make those two things up, in addition to single payer for all the people in between, you know, uh, it would have bankrupted the state. The same with California. So what you need to do is call your legislators, your two senators and your member of the House, and say, please pass legislation to give the states waivers, Medicare and Medicaid waivers, so that they can do state-based single payer health care. Just that straightforward. And it sounds kind of wonky. And I get it. And I don't want to get into ERISA and all the, you know, there's acronyms and weirdness. And, but that's, that's the bottom line. And if we can get just a couple of states to go Medicare for all, it will spread across the country because it not it, Canada isn't the only example. It's just the closest to us. But that's how it works. You know, my, my old friend Dick Gregory used to say, when you've got something good, you don't have to force it on people. They will steal it.
0: They'll want it. <laughs> so people will get it. You know, people will get it. Tom Hartman, Hartman from the Tom Hartman show. Thank you so kindly once again. Remember folks, hey, you know, I, I, I need to do this. Tell folks how do they reach your show and all the different platforms that you're on. Let's get a quick one there because in the progressive space, we got to start doing that. Let everybody that doesn't know about it, know about it. So you have your radio show. When is your radio show? Uh, the, the radio show
1: is, not, is noon to three Eastern time on, on radio stations all over the country and SiriusXM and, and Free Speech TV. And uh, TomHartman.com will get you that information. And then I do a daily rant that you referred to earlier, five days a week. Uh, it's free, there's no ads or anything. Um, and we don't sell the list or anything. And that's at HartmanReport.com.
0: Folks, don't forget, check it out. Tom, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. It's my pleasure and my honor, Ed very. Thank you. All right, folks, I hope you like that. Before I forget, the first thing I want to ask is everybody on YouTube right now, please click that thumbs up. Help our algorithm reach more people. Please click that thumb up, the like on, on, on uh, YouTube. On Facebook, please click the like button. On Facebook, please like the program. That helps us with the algorithm over time. Uh, we cannot get the throughput that we need unless all of us get into this together. So I ask you so kindly again, please hit the thumbs up. We have a lot more stuff to cover, okay? A lot more to cover. But before I forget, please remember to click that join button to become a part of the PDR Posse. And you know, um, uh, one of our friends, uh, Tom C., he said, Egberto, we need an easy place to find all the videos, an easy place to find the program when it's live, etc., 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 so what I did is listening to what, you know you guys run this program, listening to what he said, I made sure and created a, a sort of a one-stop all for TV. So now you can go to politicsdoneright.com slash TV, politicsdoneright.com slash TV, and there you'll have our program live when it's live, and you'll have a playlist of all all our, um, all our shows, a playlist of all our interviews, and a playlist of all Egberto's rant. That was. Uh, I want you guys. The next time you see Tom C on, say, Tom C. Thank you for putting the fire under Egberto, so that he can make sure to put that all in one. Where we, you can find all our programming, uh, for politics done right on that one page, politicsdoneright.com/slash/tv. Anyhow, um, folks, if you have never been with us before, please remember to help us keep this stuff going. Help us bringing you the real material that you're not going to hear on regular TV or that's not going to expand it. Medicare for all, Medicare Advantage is out there selling all kinds of stuff to our good people 65 and older. They're pulling the wool over their heads. Many of you probably already have Medicare Advantage. Uh, th- th- what I can say is while you're healthy, get the hell out of it and get your Medigap program because I tell you what, uh, it is a privatization of insurance and whenever they, privatize, uh, whenever they privatize health insurance, please remember, they save money by denying you service. They save money by lying to the government and collecting more from the government for the same services and that is what they do. Tom explains it well in his book, American, Hel- American Health Care. Our it's hidden history of American Healthcare. Now please consider getting our books as well. We show you all about, we talk about the healthcare system, we talk about all these issues as well in uh pol- at, at, at politicsdoneright.com slash uh right com slash books, com slash book. Tom C says, Egberto, we'll talk some more about making links link even better. Absolutely. You have any suggestions? You just let me know. Welcome aboard, Puffin. Welcome aboard, Tom C. Welcome aboard, uh, the duck that quacks. Welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Um, Bridge MCP. I think I saluted E two two four seven. The duck that quacks. Sarah Bridge, Paul Fleming. Thank you all for being here. Uh, let's see what else we got. We got for you. Anyhow, you can also support us by just going to that one link. Support. Politicsandright.com slash support. Politicsandright.com support. You can support us at Patreon. We need a 1,000 uh, patrons. Politicsandright.com slash Patreon. And on PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Please do what you can to help us continue to bring you the information that you need. Okay, let's go ahead and get busy. Yesterday, um, uh, or rather today, a lieutenant governor of Hawaii, he did something that I rarely see other politicians do, and that is call out those who... Who are killing our own Uh, The Hawaiian uh, Josh Green From Hawaii, Lieutenant Governor of Hawaii He said, hey It is time for us to take the politics Out of this pandemic It is time for Republican Governors In Red State to pretty much stop Killing their own Check out how he said it and then we'll take it on the other side
3: I guess I would say to my friend from South Carolina, if I were the member of Congress who committed one of the most grievous acts in a State of the Union address when the President of the United States, Mr. Obama...
1: I know at least one business owner in North Texas who was very glad to hear about this mandate because it allows him to do what he wanted to do and acquire his employees to get vaccinated. Um, Lieutenant Governor Green, I want to switch to you. In Hawaii, you're clearly doing something right. It's the state with the highest percentage of people who have at least one shot in their arms, something like 88 percent of Hawaiians have gotten that first shot. So you're doing something right there. But you've also got a third of your eligible residents who aren't fully vaccinated. So I guess my question is, how big of an impact are you seeing from the unvaccinated on your hospitals? And if you could, what do you think you're doing in Hawaii to get those shots in arms that might be exportable to a place like Kentucky? You've got a fellow uh, Democrat here who I'm sure would love to, ha- to have some ideas to convince more folks to get shots in arms. Sure. Well, what we are seeing is, though, even we even though we're very well vaccinated, we still are seeing a ton of cases in our hospitals, almost exclusively among those who are unvaccinated. of all of our hospitalizations are people who are unvaccinated and 98% of our deaths are people who are unvaccinated. So my heart breaks as an emergency room physician when I see that. What I would say is this, we have to take the politics out of this. We absolutely have to and we have to unite as a country. I say
0: shame on those governors who are discouraging vaccination. They are killing their constituents. How often have you ever heard uh, another politician point out the sad reality about what red state governors are doing to their pew. They are killing their own constituents. I, uh, when I heard him just come out and say that, it was important that I say, here is a politician with spine. I hope he's a doctor as well. He has places to go. Now, uh, in, right now, inside of the Foreign, uh, foreign Committee it, uh, in Congress, Foreign Relations Committees in in Congress They're discussing Afghanistan and of course What we have is the Republicans Trying to place uh, The blame on on Biden For how badly Things are happening And what I love is there are two pieces I want to show you here The first piece I want to show you is This congressman from California Decided that he was going to tell The unfortunate truth About what's going on uh, What went on uh, in Afghanistan how we got to where we got check this out and then we'll take it on the other side the ranking member says that uh, he
2: never thought he'd see an unconditional surrender of the United States to the Taliban he saw it in 2020 when president donald trump announced that we'd be out by may 1st of 2021 forced the release of 5000 of the Taliban's best fighters and most importantly, created a circumstance where there was not even a credible possibility that we would uh, engage in force to uh, to support the Afghan government. Did the Trump administration leave on your desk a pile of notebooks as to exactly how to carry out that plan? Uh, Did we have a list of which Afghans uh, we were going to uh, evacuate? Uh, Did we have a plan to get Americans from all over Afghanistan? to Kabul and out in an orderly way. How meticulous was the planning for the Trump administration declared uh, May 1st uh, withdrawal? We inherited a deadline. We did
0: not inherit a plan. You hear that. We inherited a deadline. We did not inherit a plan. First of all, I want to welcome our new member, Patricia Ryan, Patricia Ryan, thank you so kindly for becoming our latest PDR Posse member. Others, please join her. Click that join button and become a part of our PDR Posse membership. Also, please remember to thumbs up the video. Thumbs up the video so that the algorithm will put us out there and make sure that more people see this valuable information that we're putting out there. Patricia Ryan, thank you so kindly. I have another video to show you, and this one now is uh, Representative Connolly. Representative Connolly really uh, called out Joe. You remember Joe Wilson? You lie, Joe Wilson. He wants to play magnanimous now about this particular issue. Well, Connolly didn't only admonish him. Connolly also schooled him and other Republicans on what really occurred. How did we get here in in Afghanistan? And it's important for us to see it acknowledge it, learn about it, and have it at the tip of our tongues. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side.
3: I guess I would say to my friend from South Carolina, if I were the member of Congress who committed one of the most grievous acts in a State of the Union address when the President of the United States, Mr. Obama, was our guest to shout out you lie, I might take more care about enumerating other alleged lies in a hearing with the Secretary of State. Mr. Secretary... What we're listening to on the other side of the aisle, sadly, is sort of a a salad mix of selective facts and a lot of amnesia in the salad dressing. The history of instability in in, uh, Afghanistan didn't begin on August 14th of this year, did it? It did not. Am I correct in remembering that, in fact, you could trace direct routes to 1977, 1978, when there was a communist coup and the president of Afghanistan was assassinated in the presidential palace. Is that correct? It is. And one year later, the Soviet Union, because of that instability, decided to invade Afghanistan. Is that correct? It is. And 10 years later, the Soviets left Afghanistan because they had mounting and maybe really unsustainable military casualties and felt that they were engaged in a a process that could not be won. Is that correct? It is. And meanwhile, because the United States decided once that happened it would disengage primarily from Afghanistan. Groups like the Taliban had 12 years in which to create political power. Is that correct? It is. And in 2001, we re-entered Afghanistan in response to the tragedy we just remembered, 20-year remembrance this week. Uh, And we rolled up the Taliban by making alliances with various militia groups in the north and moved south until they lost control of the country in that year in 2001. Is that correct? Yes, it is. the purpose of our involvement was to defeat al-Qaeda because the Taliban were harboring this virulent terrorist group that had attacked America. Is that correct? That's correct. Would it be fair to say that we achieved that objective? It would. Would it be fair to say that in fact, 10 years later, the leader of that group who masterminded the attacks of 9-11 was in fact killed by a United States specially trained military unit? That's correct. So, What happened ultimately on August 14th has lots of history. I know it's convenient to pretend that didn't happen. And I know that we want to give ourselves sort of the pleasure of attacking a political leader of the other party. And so let me engage in that too. I'm going to assert that the events of August 14th had their direct antecedent with a bad decision by President Trump and Secretary Pompeo in 2018 to elevate and legitimize the Taliban in Doha, gutter by agreeing to face-to-face negotiations. That tragedy was compounded exponentially by an, un- an unbelievable decision to exclude the government of Afghanistan ostensibly we were defending from those very negotiations. Is that an accurate statement, Mr. Secretary?
2: Certainly that's what we inherited.
3: But Afghan was was in fact excluded from the negotiating table in Doha by the Trump administration. Is that not correct?
2: That's essentially correct, yes.
3: And when those 5,000 people were released from prison, since the ranking members are concerned, and correctly so, about two Haqqani members in the current cabinet of the Taliban, were there any known terrorists or declared terrorists by the United States among those 5,000 people released with the consent and negotiated agreement of the Trump administration?
2: Uh, almost certainly, yes.
3: Uh, I guess our concern about terrorists is pretty select and limited to partisanship.
0: Is that a takedown or what? Is that the perfect takedown or what? I think I, I wanted to bring that because I thought that um, many, many of us know the truth. We don't quite know it as orderly as he just presented it bullet point by bullet point. So I decided, let's go ahead and put this together because that is exactly what a lot of people, including some of the folks who believe they know what happened, need to see. Great job, Connolly. Representative, Congressman Connolly, great job. Now here, guys, I have another video by Chuck Todd, but we only have... Uh, six minutes or so left, and the video is about eight and change. So I don't, I don't have the time to do it. So what I'm going to do is, if you have any questions right now, please go ahead and ask it. I'm going to read some of the statements you have in here. This is a wonderful chat. I can usually only find Trump terrorist cell chats. Uh, Bridge MCP says, uh, "Let's see, let's see." Uh, whoa, says it, brother. Lay it all out exactly. He did a great job. Uh, let me go up a little bit. I, I I like seeing Biden calling Republican politicians about their COVID policies and the COVID-related debts among their constituents. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I want to thank Patricia Ryan again for her, her uh, for becoming a part of the PDR Posse. I'd like to ask more of you to go ahead and do two things for me. Please go ahead and click that thumbs up to give our, our uh, video some more throughput. Click that thumbs up uh, that you... See under the video on YouTube or the like on fa- on um, Facebook. And likewise, please consider clicking that join button to become a part of our PDR Posse. A part of our PDR Posse. Politics done right and Egberto Willis. Why are the share names above people like Michael and Rose keep changing language? I don't know. Um, are we talking about Facebook? Or are we talking about um YouTube, or are we talking about uh, Twitch? I, I'm not sure. I kind of give if you have a screenshot to show me if necessary, let me see so that I can send it all out. Let's see. Puffin says, Thanks. I will soon I have money banks. Money, thanks, Bernie Bucks. All right, okay, buddy, okay, buddy. Hey, yeah, so go ahead and click that Join button. Become a part of the PDR Posse. There are many, many, many ways to support us. Politicsandright.com slash support has all the different ways that you can support us. And, of course, you can get all our books, the books that you see on the screen. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom. And I also have uh, How to Make America Utopia, How to Take Away the System that's Rigged. How we can how we can make it the way it should be, and of course it's worth it. How to talk to your right wing, our relatives, friends, and neighbors. We got to talk to everybody, people. We got to talk to absolutely every every everybody. You can find all my books at politicsunright.com/books. Politicsunright.com/books. Okay, come on. Questions? Anything before I go up? Since I don't have any questions, let me do a little pontific. Thank you, Egberto. Let them know. Vote no on California. Okay. Yeah. Remember. If you're in California, vote no on the recall. It is a it is ridiculous. Vote no on that. Uh, vote no on the recall because I tell you what, we cannot allow. I mean, put it this way. Suppose that would actually give uh, Elder uh, the, the the vote with fifteen or twenty percent of the vote. Makes no sense. Again, vote no in California. Now, as far as Medicare and Medicare Advantage people, I I did a a standalone video to try to uh, talk to people about this here Medicare for All and versus I mean rather Medicare versus Medicare Advantage, and I can't tell you how especially for older people sixty five and above, I can't explain how seriously as one of the largest voting blocks we must remember that we cannot allow the private sector to run healthcare for profit on those that are old, on anyone, but specifically on those that are older. Because remember, Medicare is all run, it's a single-payer system. Medicare is a single-payer system. There are no executives to pay, no advertising to pay for, no bunch of different Uh, Different database systems And all of you Save a lot of money And in fact Medicare Advantage Costs us Much more The Duck That Quacks Thank you so kindly For your super chat Your $5 super chat I support Love this program Go solar PV Drive electric Avoid toxic methane Gas and oil The Duck That Quacks Thank you so kindly For your kind support You know we We could not Come close to what we're doing Without all the support we get from Everybody, the hundreds of you That are Our $1.99 supporters Our $2.99 supporter Our $5 supporter You know, it's a totality, it's whatever you can muster to help me My family continue This business of telling the truth And trying to not let Folks Look Um I don't think a lot of people understand, and you know, some people tell you, "Why do you care? Why do you really have to do this?" We have to do it, not me. We have to do all of this. We have to do all of this. We have to continue doing all of this. Why? Because first of all, we know the truth, and in knowing the truth, we have a certain amount of responsibility. I want to get the duck that quacks out there as well. Got you on the screen. In one day I actually did it Pretty quick this time Anyhow folks So Breachem's Medigap Is Medicare supplement insurance That helps fill the gaps The original Medicare And is sold by private companies Original Medicare says For much I, You guys can read the rest uh, Rose says We are patriots You're absolutely right That's why we do What we do Because we are patriots Alright I'm, I'm going to close again On Medicare Advantage All of you That are And by the way Medicare is probably going to Eventually drop to 60 And lower If we're lucky, if... uh, Look, Biden's poll numbers are falling because there's a concerted effort to make them fall. Remember that. They're falling because there's a concerted effort to make them fall on the right, and they're hitting some of the independents, and his poll numbers are falling. The idea being, if his poll numbers fall, he won't be able to execute this big agenda. But it's which comes first, the chicken or the eggs. We have to express to... The centrist Democrats We have to express To liberal Democrats That aren't of the progressive ilk That The only effective solution To win in 2022 And save the country Is for us to pass The 3.5 trillion infrastructure a Human infrastructure bill And the 1.0 Whatever trillion Regular Infrastructure bill It will finally show that government Is doing something and people will feel that In their pocketbooks And when they start to see that, the, that what was told to them Were pretty much lies They will reward Those who are making them whole So don't fall for the The poll numbers for now Give the Democrats And others the spine To do what We have to do to move forward, we're coming to the end of the program. I thank you so kindly for being here. Again, please go ahead if you're before you leave. Before you leave the uh, YouTube, please click that th- thumbs up. Please click the thumbs up, and likewise, if you have the wherewithal, please click the join button and become a member of the PDR Posse. Please go ahead and consider getting our books at slash books and give us all whatever support you're able to. At PoliticsDoneRight.com support. My name is Egberto Willis. Thank you so kindly for calling it a great show, Rose Williams. The show is only great because all of you are here. Now, please share as well. It is so, so, so important. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out.